to take just a few moments at this point in the service to talk with you about Jesus, if I may do that. This is my 41st year, my 41st Christmas at Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. The first Christmas, we had just gotten our feet on the ground. We started on December the 5th, that first Sunday of December, and so we didn't do anything unusual or different that first Sunday other than just preach about Jesus. But the last 40 years, we've been doing something special every Christmas Eve, reminding ourselves of why Jesus Christ came. And I'll just be honest and tell you that I have been trying for 40 years to lead people to Jesus Christ, to lead some of you to Jesus as the Savior, to lead others of you to follow him in discipleship. But that is my calling, and that is my work as a pastor, is to lead people to Jesus Christ. And so for the next few moments, I want to try to lead you to Jesus. And I want to remind you that the reason we celebrate isn't because of any of the other things that our secular world celebrates. The reason we celebrate is because Jesus came into the world. There's an interesting little thought that you need to consider as you think about this Christmas season. People want to know why Jesus came. And I've heard many sermons on why Jesus came. But I want to show you one reason that his coming, or one reason about his coming, that maybe you haven't thought about. And it's found in John chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16, and I'm going to read down through verse 19. But listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world. There it is. What did God not do? He did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus who had come to him at the night and was asking him about how to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus went into an explanation and ultimately told him that you have to be born again. And then he spoke the words of probably the most famous verse of Scripture, maybe the best known verse of Scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16, when he said that God so loved the world. But a lot of times that's where we stop. We stop at John 3, 16. We don't read verses 17, 18, or 19, but in verse 17 it says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Most people think that Christianity is about condemnation. They think Christianity is about judgment. They think Jesus is about judgment. But that isn't the reason Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to, to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to judge you. The problem with our thinking is that we don't understand that we are already under condemnation. He goes on at the end of verse 18, and he says, why are we condemned? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. In other words, the condemnation, the judgment for our sins, the wrath of God on our sins is already on mankind. We're not waiting for it to come. We're not thinking that it's going to come one day. There's not going to be a judgment way out in the future when we're going to meet it for the very first time. The reality is that every one of us in this world is already abiding under the condemnation of God. Romans chapter, excuse me, John chapter 3 verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Not that it will abide, it already abides. Not that he will be condemned, that he's already condemned. That we are in this state of being where we are separated from God because we are sinners. It's an inconvenient truth. People don't really like to talk about that reality. As a matter of fact, modern religion today tries to play all of that down and play up all of the positives. But in the reality, when you do that, you treat, you cheat people out of knowing the truth that can set them free. And the truth is that all of us born into this world are already under the condemnation of God, not because God wants to condemn us and he didn't send his son to condemn us. We are under the condemnation of God because we are by nature sinners. We are by nature sinful people. You don't have to teach us how to sin. It just comes natural to us. Your sin may be different than my sin, and mine may be different than your sin, but the reality is all of us sin. And the only way we can deal with God, the only way you can deal with God, is to deal with God in perfection. And there aren't any of us who measure up to that level of perfection. We all come short. We all are sinners. You say, Pastor, at Christmas, you're going to talk to us about us already being under the condemnation of God Yes, because I've got to lead you to the one who can set you free. I've got to bring you to the one who can resolve the matter for you. We're all sinners. Listen to how Paul writes it in Romans chapter 3. He says, they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Or you go to verse 23 of that same chapter. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't anybody who can be good enough to get to God on his or her own. There isn't anybody that will go to heaven because of what you have done. There isn't anybody who can be perfect as God is perfect. Therefore, we are already abiding under the condemnation of God and already under the wrath of God when we come into this world. And if that's the only thing that was to be said, it would be a sad story, wouldn't it? We would be left without hope. We would be left without forgiveness. We would be left without, uh, without peace. We would be left without the things that God wants to provide. And God saw the plight of every one of us. And God saw the desperate circumstances that we were in. And God saw that we couldn't help ourselves. God saw that we were in a mess. And God said, I love you so much that I will send my son. I will give my son. Do you realize before he gave his son on the cross. He gave his son in Bethlehem. 
For God so loved the world. People who were already abiding under the condemnation and the wrath of God. I love them so much, I'm going to send my son. Not to condemn them. I'm going to send my son to set them free from that condemnation. I don't want any of them to perish. I don't want any of them to be separated from me for eternity. I don't want any of them to miss out on the glory and the wonder and the majesty and the beauty of heaven. I don't want anyone to live without hope or to live without peace or to live without forgiveness. I don't want anyone to live that way. And so I'm going to send my son, only a man who could be the God-man who could live perfectly according to the law of God, could go to a cross and die, not for his sins, but for our sins. Only the God-man could do that. And that's exactly why Jesus came in Bethlehem. Jesus came because he loves you. I have to tell my face to smile because I want you to smile back at me. God loves you. You're already under condemnation. You're already under the wrath of God. And the only way, the only freedom, the only escape is Jesus. And God sent Jesus as a little baby, the sinless son of God. Everything he did in his life, he did in absolute obedience to the law of God. He's the only one who could have ever done that. And he could only do that because he was not only man, he was divine. So that when he died on the cross of Calvary, he was dying for what I deserve, the condemnation that I rightfully deserve, the wrath that I rightfully deserve. He took it on himself, and he paid the penalty. And do you know what happens when you come to that Jesus that I'm telling you about, and you put your faith in that Jesus, and you receive that Jesus as your Savior? Jesus becomes the mediator between God and man. God doesn't have a problem. Man is the one with the problem. And Jesus comes and brings man to God, but he does it through himself. We stand before God when we have trusted in Jesus as our Savior. We stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'll never get there on my own righteousness. I don't have any righteousness of my own, but I will get there in the righteousness of Jesus. And I'm standing before him and will stand before him one day because I trusted in Christ and Christ gave me his righteousness and he took my sinfulness on himself. Oh, my friends, that's the best news there is. This is not just a, a means of pumping you up and making you feel better and having a positive message. This is about real freedom. This is about real joy. This is about real hope. This is about living forever with God in eternity. Maybe that'll help you to understand what Paul meant when he said in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us. Most of us hear that and we say, yeah, I can understand that. I know who I am. I'm worthy of that love. Not according to John 3, 17 and 18. We abide under the condemnation because we've not believed in Jesus. The wrath of God already rests on us. Paul said, but God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners... 
already under the condemnation of God, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I've got good news for you. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus was the beginning of what was the redemptive plan of God to remove you from that condemnation and the wrath that was already on you, and now he comes to you, the one who died for you and who rose again, and he looks at you and he says, if you will trust me and you will receive me, I will make you my child, and the wrath will be gone, and the condemnation will be gone, and the sin will be gone, and you'll receive in its place my righteousness, and you'll be able to enter heaven, not on the basis of what you've done or who you are, but on the basis of what Jesus did for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel for 40 Christmases, 41 Christmases I've been preaching this gospel, 40 of them on a special service like this, 40 years I've been trying to get you to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, be my Savior. You see, I know that you and I are already under the condemnation and the wrath of God. We're not waiting on it. And I know that the only means of deliverance from that condemnation and that wrath is through what Jesus did for us. And I know what the remedy is. It's faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And I would be an unworthy messenger if I didn't come on this Christmas Eve and say, why don't you have a real Christmas? Why don't you receive the greatest gift there is, the gift of eternal life? In Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death. That's separation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're looking at a man, and I'm looking at many of you who can remember a place where we receive Christ as our Savior. And it was the beginning of a journey of living for Christ. But at that moment we received him, the condemnation was gone, and the guilt was gone, and the wrath was gone, and the reconciliation had taken place, and we were made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, can it really be that simple? It's so simple that these beautiful children sitting up here a few minutes ago and standing as they came up and went down, these children up here can hear that message and they can become children of God. That's the beauty of what God did for us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ.